We made it. We made it to the end of Hebrews. Praise God. It's been good. Um, this is, uh, it's just, it's the end of a, of, a, of a first for me to walk the body through a text like the book of Hebrews. It has been an honor for me. It has been a challenge for me. And it has taught me. The word of God has taught me over this, uh, this last year. There's a a friend of mine, I remember him saying that, uh, that as he was teaching God's word, the, the teaching of the word actually taught him so much more than he felt like he was able to bring to the table. And, uh, and it was in the midst of the teaching of God's word where the word of God comes to light. And you, uh, you get to see a broader picture of not just the, the chapter or the book, but the book the whole story, and uh, I even appreciate Lauren the as you as you led this morning, just referencing how the story of David is the story of the Bible. Is there's a New Testament ness, even when you listen to the prophetic word of David, and um, God is teaching us, Amen. God is teaching us, and God is growing us uh, in His Word. Uh, this, uh, this last word from, uh, from Hebrews, it's the benediction. Um, it's the good word. It's the, it's the final word that the, this writer has to say to these people. Remember, this, this letter is a sermon. It's the sermon letter that got passed around, and it most likely was a sermon that was spoken like this at one point, and it got recorded uh, maybe got edited a bit and then got passed around as a letter. And the final words um, to, to, the, to the letter are, are important to him and they're important to us. What somebody says last is really important, right? What somebody says first is usually really important. It's where you get your first impression, right? But what somebody says last is of great significance and, uh, as well. And this benediction has importance, and I, and I pray that you're blessed by it, and I pray that the grace of God comes through clear to you today, that you hear the gospel um, spoken today from God's word. Uh, do you remember a time when somebody blessed you? Somebody really, really blessed you. Somebody, somebody was thoughtful about your life and saw you and didn't have to, there was no requirement, there was no obligation whatsoever, um, but they bestowed upon you uh, a blessing. This is what a benediction is. A benediction is a, is a blessing. Uh, I remember in, uh, before I went to Moody uh, Bible Institute, I was an aerospace machinist, and before I was an aerospace machinist, I went to school for that trade. And uh, I was struggling a bit. I kind of wanted to be married more than I wanted to be in school, and I kind of wanted to move from the school that I was in to a school that was closer to the one I was married to, and these men who were my professors, my teachers, and more friends than I even knew, uh, they called me into their office. And uh, unbeknownst to me, their plan that day was to convince me to stay uh, at the school to finish my program with them. And they didn't only say, hey, we want you to stay, we really like you. They didn't have to even do that. I was actually a bit of a troublemaker in school, believe it or not. 
And uh, they didn't have to do that, but they, they wanted to see me finish, and they wanted me to see me move on to, to, uh, to what's next for me in life. And they knew that it was, would be good for me to finish this program, not for them, but for me. So they had no benefit in this at all. The benefit was all mine. And uh, again, unbeknownst to me, they had a plan. And as I, as I sat there with them in this teacher's lounge, um, they all pulled out their checkbooks. And <laughs> it still affects me today. Tell me a blessing doesn't affect you. They pulled out their checkbooks, and they, each one of them wrote a check to pay for a portion of my following year at, uh, at school to try to convince me to stay. And it worked, and I stayed. They didn't have to. And you saw the bit of emotion that comes out of me. Now, I'm a bit of an emotional person to begin with. Shocker, right? But here's the thing. That still stays with me today. The power of a blessing is significant. And if you think the power of a blessing from a person, from a coach, from a friend, from a professor at a machine tool technical school is significant, you imagine what the blessing of God is like. Imagine what the blessing of God is like. Why don't you stand as we read this blessing from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers. Bear with my word of exhortation. For I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. And this ends the reading of God's word. Have a seat. God, would you use your word in our lives today? as we have already sung the rejoicing and the gratitude of our heart to you, be pleased not only with our response to knowing the truth of who you are, but God, be pleased to work in us your truth. Be pleased, God, to press the truth of the gospel and press the truth Deep within our hearts, God, that it would search out places that I have no idea where you need to go. But Spirit of God, search out where it is you need to apply this truth in each one's life this morning. And then, Father, apply the balm of the grace of God to each one. That we might hear the truth, be convicted of sin, be convicted of the truth, and also be convinced of who you are to us and what you've accomplished on our behalf, so that we might rejoice that much more as we sing our final song. It's in Christ's name that we pray together. Amen. And amen. 
This is the benediction. As I've said, a benediction literally is, uh, is a good word. The good word. It's an affirmation of what is true. It is an affirmation of what is longed for that is true. It is the good word. It is the kind word spoken over a person. It is not flattery, but it is the use of the truth in someone's life to speak blessing over who they are and where the vision that God has for them would take them. That they would be made into the image of Christ. It is a good word for them. Creation is the first time we actually see the practice of the benediction. The practice of the benediction is right there in creation. God speaks and and light is created and God speaks and the firmament is created. God speaks and, and man and woman are created. And what does he say? He pronounces a benediction over his creation. Each time he says what? He says, it is good. This is the essence of the benediction. It's common in the Old Testament we hear of the blessing, we hear of the benediction. When a, when a patriarch is aging and he's coming to the end of his days, he passes on a blessing. He passes on a benediction to his oldest son by tradition. One of the most famous stories of benediction or blessing is the story of Isaac and his two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, the swindler, he schemes to steal his brother's blessing. Unbeknownst to him, God had already told Isaac that the blessing was going to go to the younger instead of the older. When this takes place, I'm sure Jacob knows at some point Esau is going to find out. It's not going to remain a secret forever, and sure enough, he does find out. And when Esau comes and he finds that he had stolen his father's blessing, he cries out. Remember? He cries out, Oh God, would would you have my father bless me also? Isaac, bless me also. There's no blessing left. There's no blessing left to give. What he does give to his older son is really more of a curse than it is a blessing. There's this longing in Esau. You hear it in his cry. There's the longing for the lesser to be blessed by the greater. This is what happens in a benediction. This is what happens in a blessing. There's the, the, the greater bestows upon the lesser a blessing. And the blessing that's given to Jacob, it has two parts. It is both objective and subjective. This is the way a blessing works. It, it has something objective to it and it also has something that's subjective. The objective part of the blessing for Jacob is that he actually receives an inheritance. There's his father's wealth that he receives. There's an objective, tangible uh, receiving of what his father has to give upon him as a blessing. There's also a subjective side to a blessing. It's the subjective side that actually affects me the most when I think about those men sitting in that room pulling out their checkbook. There is the objective portion of that blessing where they wrote the check to, uh, to pay a portion of my bill, but there's also the subjective side where I say to myself, they love me. They really love me. Jacob. 
Jacob receives both. A sense of well-being. And could I even interject here a sense of peace? A sense of shalom. Something that is right. There's something right between him and his father that he couldn't create, he didn't even deserve, but something he gets to benefit from for all of his days. We all have that sense, kind of like Esau, of having shalom broken, right? The sense of peace broken. We know what it is, even from our youngest days, to realize that all is not right in my world. All is not right in my relationships with my siblings. All is not right in my relationship with my parents. All is not right in my community. All is not right in the world. There is a a brokenness of peace. There's a brokenness of God's shalom. Not the way he intended it. But it's what we experience. The benediction, the blessing, it's a prayer, it's a good word of affirmation that shalom is possible, that God is interested in shalom, that God is interested in peace, that, 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 that with God all things are possible, and with God there is a way to see outside of our broken shalom, our broken world, to a God who is one day going to restore all things. To be blessed by a mother or a father, by a mentor, a coach, even by a pastor, it is important. It is important. Now you might at this moment think me to say it's really not that important because God's blessing is the most important. That actually is true. But our words are not unimportant. It's even evidenced by how I'm affected today. By almost 30 years ago, men who I don't think they've thought about me since, how they affected my life. I know my children want my words. (laughs) I know my wife wants my words. I know you want my words. I know when we sit together that there's blessing that you long for to speak peace, to speak truth, to, to speak gospel over you. Can I just speak to dads for a moment? Dads, you know, like, you know the words that your father spoke over you that were good and right and true and helpful. And they ring in your head and your heart even today. They actually become motivation for you to do well, to press on, to persevere. You also know when your father spoke shame over you and spoke harm and spoke evil over you. In a fit of rage, in a fit of disappointment, in lack of knowing how to even express himself, spoke words over you that were harmful, that even today, 
There's a tape that goes through your head that speaks those words of identity to you. And you live out of them more days than you don't. If that's true for you, is it not true for your children too? Is it not true for your wife? Is it not true for the people that you work with? Now, I'm not a word of faith preacher. That's not my, that's not my bent and it's not my intent. I'm not saying that every single word that you speak, because you speak it, it comes into existence. So you had better not say bad words because we have some kind of superstition about us that says if you speak it, it's going to happen. But I tell you this, God used words to create and things came into existence that weren't in existence before. I'm not God. But I gotta believe there's power in my words. The things that I say, the things that I speak over my children and my wife, the lingering effects that those have in my relationships. The word of caution here is blessing, not curse. Bless and don't curse. The beautiful thing about the gospel that separates me from a word of faith preacher is that men, if you know you have spoken words that are damaging to your children and to your relationship with your wife, you get to go back to that and say, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? I get to own every word that I speak and say, that was from me and it's not the end of my story because I have a Savior who forgives. Will you forgive me as my Savior has forgiven me? To be blessed by a parent or a friend is one thing. But to be blessed by the God of peace is a better blessing. It is a better blessing. There is a consistency to it. There is a power to it. There is a, there is a eternality to the blessing that comes from the Father that is richer and just simply it is better. It comes from the God of peace. Look at your text there. It comes from the God of peace. Peace is the word represented for shalom. Remember the old covenant rhythm of life? As Lauren even referred to, the old covenant rhythm of life was was sin and sacrifice. Sin and sacrifice. It was the constant reminder that I couldn't keep the law, that I couldn't save myself. I needed another. I needed a blood sacrifice on my behalf. But that's not the entire story. Could I add something to the story today? The rhythm of the old covenant was sin, sacrifice, benediction. Sin, sacrifice, a word of blessing spoken over the people. And here's the word of blessing that was spoken over the people every single time temple was had or sacrifice was made. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his son saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. 
Listen, this is after sin. This is after sacrifice. He says, you shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you what? Give you peace. It just fits, does it not? Sin, sacrifice, blessing. Sin, sacrifice, blessing. This is the plan all along. The peace of God comes after sacrifice. The peace of God comes through sacrifice. Sin, sacrifice, peace with God. There is one who brings peace in a unique way. A way that no temporal blessing has ever or will ever provide. And then we hear Jesus say, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be what? And neither let it be afraid. There's peace after sacrifice. There's three objective foundational truths that I want you to see in this blessing. Three objective foundational truths. Uh, This God of grace speaks blessing over us. This God of grace moves us in the direction of peace, and it's not cheap. There are three objective truths that are stated here in this benediction that are the foundation for this peace. Listen to them. The first one is this. It's It's a basis of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus is a foundational truth that this blessing of peace is rooted upon. Jesus, if you remember, Jesus from the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the better priest. This resurrected Jesus, it makes him a better priest than all of the old covenant priests. Remember, the old covenant priests were, were, play, were replaced all the time. Why? Just because of old age. Maybe because of moral failure. Maybe because they moved away. They were always replaceable. Hebrews seven twenty three says this, The former priests were many in number. Because they were prevented by death, but by death, by death, by death, from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood, Jesus, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's a better priest because he's an eternal priest. He's a priest who who is the sacrifice himself and he is the priest who is the better mediator who went to the grave and rose from the grave, resurrected from the dead and is eternal, eternally interceding on our behalf. Amen? Amen. Jesus is alive, always interceding. And this is why our salvation as believers That's why our salvation is so secure forever. It's held by a living Savior who intercedes for us. The second objective truth that's stated here in this blessing is the work of Jesus. 
It is the blood of the new covenant. Jesus is a better mediator because his sacrifice is better. His sacrifice wasn't a a, a once a year kind of sacrifice. It wasn't a every time I sin kind of sacrifice. It is a one time for all kind of sacrifice. It was perfectly sufficient to satisfy the justice and holiness of God. Hebrews 10, 12 says, but when Christ had offered for all time, for all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Praise God for a better sacrifice. Praise God for a better priest. Praise God for a better mediator in Christ Jesus. Jesus was offered on a better altar. Do you remember that part of the story? He was offered on a better altar, not in a, on, a, in, on an altar in a tent or in a temple, but he was offered on an altar in the true holy, hol, holies before God himself in heaven. Hebrews 9.24 says, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Remember, every element of the temple, every element of, of what was used to satisfy the sacrificial system, everything needed to be cleansed. And how was it cleansed? It was cleansed with blood. And this was for an external cleansing. This was the picture of the old covenant system, an external cleansing for an external relief of sin. But Christ... The cross was not a ritual to be had. The cross was a reality that cleansed internally so that you and I might be forgiven of our sin and have genuine fellowship with our Father. Remember, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We needed a blood sacrifice. We needed a Savior. Jesus is the better sacrifice. Jesus is the better mediator. Hebrews 9.15 says, Therefore he is a mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised inheritance, the promised eternal inheritance. Can I take a moment? A moment to set a bit of a clarification on this eternal covenant. It comes clear to us. It's really easy for us to think ahead of of how secure our salvation is, that God is bringing us home. God is bringing us to a destination. And this eternal covenant lasts and lasts and lasts for all of eternity into the future. But do you know, something that is eternal is not just future, it is also past. It is also past. There is a foundation to this eternal covenant that happened way before what the scriptures say before the foundations of the world. Listen to what the scriptures say here. 1 Peter verses, chapter 1 and verses 18 to 20 says this, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, basically saying, don't, don't forget you are all sinners, not with perishable things, you were, you were ransomed not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Here's the context, we're talking about the lamb of God. 
He, the Lamb of God, without spot or blemish, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world was made, manifest to you now in these last times. The eternal covenant is not just future. He knew. He was part of the making of this covenant all the way in eternity past. That's how secure and stable this new covenant is. If you're not convinced, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. Speaking of those who worship the beast, it says this, And all who dwell on earth will worship it, the beast. Everyone whose name was not written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Before the foundation of the world, there's a book of life titled The Lamb Who Was Slain. Is that just a little bit of a mind bender for you? So what does that mean? Think about it. He, he, our savior, our sacrifice, our mediator, the one who brings in the new covenant that we get to benefit for all eternity, in eternity past, listen, he knew he was going to take on human flesh. He knew he was going to be born of a woman. He knew that he was going to be tested in every way as a human could be tested, and he was going to fulfill the, the law of God, achieving perfect righteousness on behalf of his people. He knew he was going to do that. He knew that he would receive in their place the punishment that his people had deserved for their sins. He knew that he would shed his own blood for them on a cross. And he knew that his father would bestow on him dominion over all things, including death. That he would be, would be rewarded the salvation of all believers and his brothers who would be adopted children of God. And that he would live forever with the bride who he labored to purify with his own blood. He knew it all. The lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. The security and the stability and the, the understanding that he is a God of an eternal covenant. How stabilizing is that for my soul? And then we hear Jesus say, Father, Father, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, John 17, 4. Doesn't it bring that into perspective? In eternity past, the, the new covenant, the eternal covenant made between he and the Father and the Spirit all in agreement, knowing exactly where he's headed as a Savior. I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. This is an eternal covenant. It's a better covenant. And a better covenant is kept by a better shepherd. Is kept by a better king. Is kept by a better leader. The authority of Jesus is this third foundational truth of this benediction of peace. It is based on the authority of Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. An earthly shepherd can lead sheep. An earthly shepherd who is even a great shepherd of sheep can lead lots of sheep, but he still just leads sheep. 
a good shepherd who is a man after God's own heart, at best, will be a good king of an earthly kingdom. But the great shepherd of the sheep is the only one who can lead us through the valley of the shadow of death to an eternal kingdom based on an eternal covenant. This is the great, great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus. There is something about that name, is there not? The great shepherd of the sheep is the better leader, is the better shepherd. He is the better king. And then comes the ask. There's the three foundational truths that are given in this blessing. Then comes the ask. He, he, the, the blessing has, it has content to it that longs for these people to move forward. The ask is this, may the great shepherd, may the great shepherd of the sheep equip you This word equip is really important. The word equip, it sounds like uh, I want to give you some tools. That's what we think about equipping. I want to fill your tool belt with some tools, but that's actually not the way this word is to be interpreted. The word equip is a medical term. It's used to describe how a doctor resets a broken bone and puts it back in line again. A doctor who sees somebody who has some, uh, some kind of ailment and gives medication or some kind of therapy to bring about health and set things straight. The great shepherd of the sheep is to set things right in your heart, is to bring a healing that no one else can bring. Why? Why do you need this healing? Why does the great shepherd of the sheep need to bring healing and set things right in your heart so that you might truly be able to live a life that is pleasing to God? It is based on his leadership, is based on his work, is based on his shepherding of your life that you get to live a life that is pleasing to him and bringing him glory. This is... This is the prayer of Enoch. Do you remember this in the story of Hebrews? The prayer of Enoch is, is that in Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, verses 5 and 6, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. That's the objective. I want you to be able to please God. Enoch was able to please God, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. What pleases God? What is, what is the equipping for? What is the setting things right? What is the healing for? Is that you might actually trust God more than yourself. That you might love him most with your days. That you might, in everything, worship him first that he might be first in all things in your heart, in your mind, in your, in your decisions. What pleases God? What pleases God is what we do by faith. What pleases God is what we do as we love him most. What pleases God is what we do as we believe him, as we trust him, as we look to him as the great shepherd of the sheep. This 
is the great motivation of this letter. If you're to boil it down, this is the great motivation of this letter. This guy is preaching and speaking a, a, a letter over these people so that they might trust God, so they might please him, that they might live by faith. He says, bear with my exhortation. There have been times when I've been preaching this series thinking to myself, are they going to listen to this? When I speak of the coming judgment of God, are they going to listen to this? When I speak of the of the possibility that some of you may fall away. I don't want you to fall away. Maybe some have already fallen away. He says, listen to my exhortation. Bear with my exhortation. I've only written to you briefly, he says, which is just kind of humors me. I've only written to you briefly. But in reality, when you read the book of Hebrews, if you read it cover to cover, it's only going to take you about an hour and a half to read it. If you're a fast reader, I'm a slow reader. I've only written to you briefly. Bear with my exhortation. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Listen to the better prophet. Listen to the better priest. Listen to the better king. Remember Jesus. Remember the faith of those who have gone before. They weren't perfect, but in the end, what did they do? They were honored by God because they trusted him most. They loved him most. And in the end, this is what brings God glory. If you want to summarize the application of the whole book of Hebrews, is that you might live a life of faith that is pleasing to God, that you might bring him glory. Now you could probably take out the word Hebrews and insert every book of the scriptures, because that is the objective of God in your life. That he would change your heart, that he would shape your heart for glory. That in every day, every minute, every hour that you are given, that you would make choices with your life that are pleasing to him. And what is it that pleases God? Whatever it is that you do by faith. He gives here, at the end of the letter, a few closing statements. We're not going to spend a lot of time on them. Timothy seems to have been released from prison. He wants to make them know uh, let them know that he's been released from prison and hopefully they're going to be able to come together to visit. He wants them to greet the leaders and the saints. They matter. They matter to him. Says hi. Says he wants you to, to greet everybody in Italy that the, that the churches all around Rome would know that he cares and he's concerned about them. And then he finishes with the most fitting statement of all the scriptures. Grace be with all of you. <laughs> grace be with all of you. God's grace be with all of you. The word grace means to receive something you don't deserve from someone who has no obligation to give it. God's grace be with all of you. What a perfect capstone for this, for this book to a people who are showing signs of running away. Can you relate to that? People who are showing signs of running away, who are having people who are pressuring them to not walk with God, to not believe that Christ is God. 
people who are pressured and, and showing signs of running away, what does he say to them? He gives away grace. He just gives it away. <laughs> what an amazing thing. Can I add this? What a powerful thing. What a powerful thing to give away grace. To stand in a position before a holy God who has shown the uttermost grace to you and to me. To stand before him as his child and look to an undeserving person and give away the very thing that you've been given. What a powerful thing for the people of God to practice. Often we think to ourselves where somebody has offended or broken the rules or they don't, they don't follow along with how everybody else is doing it and we look at them and it's painful for us. It feels like such a lowering, diminishing thing for us to give away grace to them. It feels like they're getting something. They're getting something and I'm, not, I'm having to give up something. It's not how the scriptures see it. This man looks at these people who are struggling, some of them who are on the brink of failing. And from a position of strength and power, firmly rooted in the grace of God, he says, grace be to you. The grace of God be to you. And I look at you, my friends and say, the grace of God be with you. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful to be in your presence. We are grateful for the ministry of your spirit. And it is a sweet moment to express our gratitude for your word. From the moment your spirit moved along this writer to pen the words you would have him to pen, preserved through the ages to this moment that we might be reminded of and be taught and convicted by the very words of God. And that we might be reminded of and encouraged and blessed by the very offer of grace to you that this letter, this writer gave to these people, we hear from the Spirit of God. God's grace for us. We thank you, Father. We offer this season of the study of this book of Hebrews as an offering of worship. Would you receive it would you use it? Every time we flip through the pages, would you bring something to light and remind us again, remind us afresh of the story of God? And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.